1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Happy Thanksgiving to you. We've got a great show prepared for you. We talk a little bit about the history and tradition of Thanksgiving. We also have some special guests as well. On this day in 1876, November the 23rd, William Boss Tweed, led of New York City's corrupt Tammany Hall political organization during the 1860s and early 1870s, and was delivered to the authorities in New York City after his capture in Spain. Tweed became a powerful figure in Tammany Hall, New York City's Democrat political machine. In the late 1850s and by the mid-1860s, he'd risen to the top position in the organization, formed the Tweed Ring, which openly uh, bought votes, encouraged judicial corruption, extracted millions from city contracts, and dominated New York City politics. The Tweed Ring uh, reached its peak of uh, fraudulence in 1871 with the remodeling of a City Court House, a blatant embezzlement of uh, city funds that was exposed by the New York Times. Tweed his flunkies hoped the criticism would blow over, but thanks to the efforts of opponents such as Harper's Weekly and uh, political cartoonist Thomas Nast, who conducted a crusade against Tweed's, virtually every uh, Tammany Hall member was swept from power in the elections of November 1871. <clears throat> All of the Tweed ring was subsequently tried and sentenced to prison. Boss Tweed served time for forgery and larceny and other charges, but in 1875 escaped from prison and traveled to Cuba and Spain. In 1876, he was arrested by Spanish police, who reportedly recognized him from a famous Nash cartoon depiction. After Tweed's extradition to the United States, he was returned to prison where he died in 1878. The story of Boss Tweed on this Thanksgiving. Well, here is the story of Thanksgiving. It's uh, not taught in school, I don't think so much, but I, I think it's an important story, and I want to share it with you. In 1608, a congregation of disgruntled English Protestants from the village of uh, Scrooby, North Hampshire, North Hampshire, or Nottinghamshire, I should say, left England and moved to Leyden, a town in Holland. These separatists, they were called. Uh, did not want to pledge allegiance to the Church of England, which they believed was nearly as corrupt and idolatrous as the Catholic Church. It replaced, uh, they were not the same as Puritans. Puritans wanted to try and uh, reform the Church. But uh, the separatists hoped uh, they would be able to leave the Church and uh, worship separately. Uh, the separatists hoped that Holland, they would be free to worship as they liked. In fact, the separatists, or saints, as they called themselves, did find religious freedom in Holland, but they also found a secular life that was more difficult to navigate, and they'd anticipated. For one thing, Dutch craft guilds uh, excluded the migrants, so they were relegated to menial, low-paying jobs. Even worse for Holland's easy-going, cosmopolitan atmosphere, which was, was proved alarmingly seductive to some of the saints' childrens. For their strict, devout separatists, they were the last straw, and they decided to move again, this time to a place without government interference or worldly distraction, the New World across the Atlantic Ocean. First, the separatists returned to London to get organized, as uh, prominent merchants agreed to advance the money for their, <clears throat> for their journey. The Virginia Company gave them permission to establish a settlement or plantation on the east coast between 38th and 41st degrees north latitude, roughly between the Chesapeake Bay and the mouth of the Hudson River. And the King of England gave them permission to leave the Church of England, provided they carried themselves peaceably. In August 1620, a group of about 40 saints joined much larger group of comparatively secular colonists, or they called, they called them strangers, to the saints, and set sail for Southampton, England, on two merchant ships, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. The Speedwell began to, take, to leak almost immediately, however, and the ships headed back to port in Plymouth. Because of the delay caused by the leaky Speedwell, the Mayflower had to cross the Atlantic at the height of storm season. As a result, the journey was horribly unpleasant. Many of the passengers were so seasick they could scarcely get up, and the waves were so rough that one stranger was swept overboard. The Mayflower was about 100 feet long from stem to stern and just 24 feet wide. That's a small boat to cross the Atlantic Ocean. In addition to the 102 passengers, the Mayflower carried a crew of 37 sailors, cooks, carpenters, surgeons, and officers. The crew was housed in a small cabin above the main deck while the pilgrims were consigned to the gun deck or between decks, a suffocating windowless space between the main deck and the cargo hold below. These lower decks were very cramped, cold and wet, and with uh, low ceilings, no more than five feet tall, said Humphreys, and all around you, people were getting seasick. The passengers shared the gun deck with a 30-foot sailboat called a shallop. They were stored uh, below decks until the arrival in the New World. Between the masts, storage rooms, and the shallop, the total available living space for 102 people measured only 58 feet by 24 feet, small space. The passengers practically slept on one another, and uh, with families erecting small wooden dividers and hanging curtains for a semblance of privacy. The crew would occasionally let some of the passengers, passengers up on the deck to get some fresh air, but on a whole, the Pilgrims were treated like cargo, said Humphreys. The crew was worried about people being swept overboard. The journey was difficult enough for sailors, never mind novices like Pilgrims. Pilgrims had to find a way to get along with strangers on their ship once they landed in the New World. Mealtime on the Mayflower brought little to celebrate. The cooks would uh, have to run out for, for uh, fresh food just days into the journey, and instead of relying on, they relied on salted pork, dried fish, and other preserved meats. Since regular bread was spoiled too quickly, they served hard pa- hardtack biscuits, jaw-breaking bricks made from flour, water, and salt. The beverage of choice for many of these old voyagers was beer— said Humphreys, explaining that the casks of fresh water tended to go off during the long storage. Even young children were given beer to drink. Subsisting on uh, small rations of salt meats and beer, the pilgrims would have been malnourished, dehydrated, weak, and susceptible to scurry. After uh, six days or roughly two miserable months at sea, the uh, ship finally reached the New World, where the Mayflower's passengers found an abandoned Indian village and not much else. They also found that they were in the wrong place. Cape Cod was located 42 degrees north latitude, well above the Virginia Company's territory. Technically, the Mayflower colonists had no right to be there at all. In order to establish themselves a legitimate colony, Plymouth, named after the uh, English port which they departed from, uh, under these dubious circumstances, 41 of the saints and strangers drafted and signed a document they called the Mayflower Compact. This compact uh, promised to create a civil body politic governed by elected officials and just and equal laws. It also swore allegiance to the English king. It was the first document to establish self-government in the New World, and the early attempt at democracy set the stage for a future colonists seeking independence from uh, Britain. The uh, pilgrims who, who arrived in Massachusetts in 1620 promptly tried to create a socialist workers' paradise. They routinely struggled to produce enough food to survive. The cause of the struggle was their collective farming system. In 1620, Plymouth Plantation was founded with a system of communal property rights. Food and supplies was held in common, and they are distributed based on equality and need. And as determined by the plantation officials, people received the same rations whether or not they contributed to producing the food, and residents were forbidden from producing their own food. Governor William Bradford, in his 1647 history of Plymouth Plantation, uh, wrote that in the system was found to breed much confusion and discontent, and retard much employment that would have been in, to the benefit and comfort of the community. The problem was that young men, who were most able and fit for labor, did repine that they should spend their time and strength to work for um, uh, men's wives and children without any rep- rec- rec- excuse me recompense. Because of the poor incentives, little food was produced. Governor Bradford understood that something had to change, and in 1623, he and the colony's leadership scrapped the communal living and apportioned good, old-fashioned private plots for each household. Under communal farming, the colonists would languish in misery. Private plots on the land made all hands very industrious so they had more cornwoods planted. Bradford made a point to criticize the intellectuals who led the people astray by praising communal living as a more desirable than, uh, than a society based on a family and private property vanity and conceit he called it he credited the colonies flourishing to be t- to the switch from a social economic system to a well private enterprise one Thus, the superiority of private property and trade was being demonstrated in America as early as 1623. It was written into one of America's founding literary and uh, historical works, and yet it doesn't get taught as a central lesson of America's founding. Economic uh, incentives matter. Even the Puritan systems that provide the right incentives create prosperity, those that don't create misery. They spent the first winter uh, pretty miserable. Only 53 passengers and half of the crew survived, Women were particularly hard hit. Of the 19 women who boarded the Mayflower, only five survived the cold New England winter, confined to the ship where disease and cold swept rampant. The Mayflower sailed back to England in April 1621, and once the group moved ashore, the colonists faced even more challenges. During the first winter in America, more than half of the Plymouth colonists died from malnutrition, disease, and exposure to the harsh New England winter. A pretty sad situation. In fact, without the uh, help of the native uh, people, it was likely none of the colonists would have survived. An English-speaking Abenaki uh, named uh, Sambleset helped the colonists form an alliance with the local women uh, who taught them how to hunt local animals, gather shellfish, and grow corn, beans, and squash. At the end of that summer, the Plymouth colonists celebrated their first harvest with a three-day festival of thanksgiving. We still commemorate this feast and remember it as Thanksgiving, though they didn't. It was sometime between September and November uh, when they held their feast. The colonists were outnumbered two to one by their guests. Attendees, Edward Winslow noted, There were many of the Indians coming amongst us and, come and amongst the rest of the greatest King Massanoit, uh, with some 90 men. Eventually the Plymouth colonists were absorbed into the Puritan uh, Massachusetts Bay Colony still the Mayflower saints and their descendants remained convinced that they alone specially uh, chosen by God to act as a beacon for Christians around the world so that's the story of Thanksgiving uh, in fact Uh, Apparently, uh, uh, there are some stories that say that Thanksgiving was a result of uh, going out and shooting some Indians. (laughs) So uh, stories certainly get changed, but this is part of our very rich and wonderful tradition of Thanksgiving here in America. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabie's Diner, open from 8am until 2pm, 7 days a week Lulabie's Diner, in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads, stop by Lulabie's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Let's talk about some of the things that are happening around the world. And Israel's national security chairman has indicated that the much-anticipated hostage deal with Hamas has been delayed until at least Friday. Early on Wednesday, Hamas said the deal would go into effect at 10 a.m. local time on Thursday. But hours later... Per the, at times of Israel, the negotiations for the release of hostages are currently progressively, progressing. The release will begin uh, accordingly to uh, an agree- original agreement to the parties and not before Friday. Now, apparently, uh, uh, Cater has been uh, responsible for negotiating this deal, and uh, apparently the Hamas officials haven't signed it yet, so uh, hopefully they're not uh, just... jerking the Israelis around. It it would be beyond uh, imagination to think they might be happening. Well, a vehicle exploded Wednesday, causing the Rainbow Bridge connecting the United States and Canada near Niagara Falls to close. A law enforcement official said the current evidence suggests the explosion was the result of a car accident, possibly the result of reckless driving, and all the actions that were taken to shut down the border crossings and airport were done in an abundance of caution. The official said the investigation thus far has shown the car was traveling at a high rate of speed. It crashed, went airborne, and exploded. And there were no explosives found in the car. There was no sign of terrorism. Two occupants of the car, of course, were killed in the crash. But, uh, boy, the news just ran with the story. home whole terrorism just hand-wringing, all kinds of things going on. But Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, got on and said no, no evidence of any kind of terrorism going on whatsoever. So... Uh, that story turned out to be kind of bogus. But tragically, they closed down the bridge, and those two people died. Well, he's been called the Dutch Donald Trump. He's been threatened with death countless times by Islamic extremists, convicted of insulting Moroccans, and Britain one time banned him from entering the country. It's now Gert Wilders has won a massive victory in the Dutch election and into the poll position to form the next ruling coalition and possibly become the Netherlands' next prime minister. An exit poll revealed his landslide appeared to take even uh, his 60-year-old political veteran Wilders by surprise. Uh, he's a fiery, has a fiery tongue and has long been one of the Netherlands' best-known lawmakers at home and abroad. His populist policies shock, and a shock of peroxide peroxide blonde hair has drawn comparisons with uh, President Donald Trump. Well, uh, so just, again, continuing, it looks like uh, more and more nationalism is spreading across Europe as well as other parts and other con- continents, what's happening to Italy. And uh, now it looks like people are kind of fed up with some of the extreme measures put brought on by the left. Well, apparently telling two-thirds of the local population they're not welcome at your business is not the best business decision suggests a report as a national file about the closure of the Commie Chuck restaurant. The uh, restaurant noted that Lexington, Virginia facility actually was named the Red Hen and became infamous in its moment for a decision back in the day to eject from the premises then-Trump Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is now governor uh, and uh, in Arkansas and her family, because she's Republican, the report explained that the owners have confirmed the business will close down and later a new restaurant will be, uh, with a new name will replace it. The press secretary's family was ejected from the restaurant in the middle of the meal in 2018 after triggered left-wing employees called the restaurant's left-wing owner, Stephanie Wilkinson, requesting that she take action to remove the family from their midst, the report recalled. Wilkinson wildly claimed to the Washington Post at the time that it was a moment in our democracy where people have to make uncomfortable actions and decisions to uphold their morals. The restaurant soon became known to critics as Commie Chuck Cluck, as opposed to the Red Hen. And while it became a destination eatery for the elites, locals just wanted to stay away. Well, Florida's Public Health Integrity Committee, uh, headed by Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Ladapo, highlighted key concerns with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's approval process and advertising requirements. The committee expressed issues with the revolving door between the FDA and the pharmaceutical industry. The specific concerns included the FDA's two-tier review process that allows manufacturers to skip clinical trials uh, at roughly uh, 15,000 drug recalls since 2012 and purportedly inaccurate reviews of drug advertising. Florida will continue to fight for truth and uh, scientific integrity, said Ladapo. Dr. Linda Westila uh, said the primary problem with the FDA is that they are moving away from science when approving medications. Relying on application fees and surrogate endpoints only further enables the revolving door of the pharmaceutical industry self-regulating itself, she said. The committee emphasized that the FDA's recent recalls popular of popular over-the-counter cold and allergy medications, particularly in connection to nasal decongestion. Uh, Dr. Beth Hoag said the U.S. government is in desperate need of regulatory agency which prioritizes human health over pharmaceutical industry uh, interests. One critical step in achieving this will be increasing transparency from the FDA, Hoag said. Raw de-identified data from vaccine and pharmaceutical trials should be made available to the public, obviously. Timely information should be provided to the public on post-marketing surveillance studies as well as vaccine and drug product side effects, she said. Finally, prior to drug and vaccine approval of the FDA, clinical trials should be determined if the benefits of the medications outweigh the risk for the population they're intended to be used on. The committee also outlined new advertising protocols they believe will increase transparency and integrity when drug companies communicate directly with the consumer through a television screen or prescription cabinet. Uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya said the uh, coronavirus pandemic showed how some exceptions when abused led to the harm of patients rather than the health and well-being. He's so right about that. Rather than allowing pharmaceutical companies to conduct their own safety assessments, the FDA should conduct very rigorous uh, phase four clinical trials, Batatria said. That is absolutely correct. And uh, so we're going to have more here on The uh, Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: 5310 that's 239 269 5310 You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services LLC, can help. With the exclusive confident retirement approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239 239-
0: Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you visit the website and get some tickets to upcoming performances. You can find out more by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. So did the government get anything right when it came to COVID? Well, seemingly, every day, we're discovering the cost of the litany of outrageous blunders that occurred during that time. Uh, Two years ago, the Biden administration dismissed 8,331 members of the U.S. military solely because they refused to take a specific COVID vaccine mandated by the Pentagon. Thousands more of our soldiers were given career-destroying reprimands. At the time, the White House assured us that these actions would not affect military readiness. Was all shamefully untrue and a sad commentary on how even our military under Biden has been infected by leftist ideology that is completely contrary to the role of our armed forces. Now, during uh, the U.S. Army, through not exactly owning up to a snafu, is beginning begging people to dis- uh, discharge to return to service and will even allow them to correct their service records. The Army is a uh, A full 33,000 troops below its 2021 strength levels and is missing its recruitment goals by 25%. Those who return will likely receive no compensation for the unfairness and trauma they experienced, although right now, as we speak, there's a class action lawsuit uh, for billions of dollars uh, to uh, return to take care of these soldiers that were unfairly dismissed. This Thanksgiving, we salute soldiers who courageously stood up Uh, to the politicized Biden administration rules and stood up for their rights. They actually deserve a Medal of Honor for what they did, and I congratulate them. Well, you may have heard the story, but former OpenAI chairman and CEO, not chairman, but CEO Sam Altman, has been rehired to lead Microsoft's new advanced in-house AI research unit alongside OpenAI President Greg Brockman. The move follows a tumultuous weekend which saw investors unsuccessfully try to reinstate Altman after his abrupt dismissal by uh, AI's OpenAI's board of directors on Friday. More than 700 of the roughly 770 OpenAI employees have demanded the resignation of the board, threatening to join Altman at Microsoft. Well, guess what? They're getting their way. The board cited Altman's alleged lack of transparency as grounds for dismissal, OpenAI, initially a nonprofit, established for its pro- for-profit arm in 2019, governed by the nonprofit boards to maintain its uh, focus on technological ed- development for humanity. As a result, the company is uh, majority independent, meaning the board mostly comprises directors, including Sam Altman, who don't hold equity in the company. Now, the ouster leader of uh, chat GPT maker OpenAI is returning to the company. That fired him just late last week. Uh, The latest in the saga is that he uh, shocked the artificial intelligence industry in the AIP reports. San Francisco-based AI uh, said in a statement last Tuesday, we have reached an agreement in principle for Sam Altman to return to OpenAI as CEO with a new initial board uh, made of former Salesforce CEO, CEO, co-CEO, Brett Taylor, and former U.S. Treasury Secretary Larry Summers Uh, Also interesting indeed. So he leaves, he goes to Microsoft. Microsoft, by the way, gave him his blessing to go back to to open AI. And so he's come back to the company. But now they have a new board in place uh, to replace uh, the the board that uh, dismissed him. While a puzzling pneumonia outbreak is said to be spreading rapidly through schools in China, Local news reports reveal that hospitals in Beijing and other cities located 500 miles northeast are grappling with an overwhelming number of sick children. As a result, school classes are on the brink of suspension. The affected children are displaying uncommon symptoms such as lung inflammation and high fever, but no cough or other typical signs associated with the flu, RSV, or other respiratory illnesses. On Tuesday, a late-night alert was disseminated via Promed a widely accessible global surveillance system specializing in monitoring infectious diseases. It's worth noting that back in December 2019, a ProMed notification initially brought a mysterious virus, later identified as COVID, to the attention of numerous medical professionals, scientists, and officials at the World Health Organization. The Taiwanese outlet FTV uh, FTV News served as the source of this alert and has reported that that concerned parents are questioning whether the authorities are concealing the severity of the epidemic. Uh, China faced substantial criticism for concealing the original SARS epidemic in 2003 and, of course, the COVID pandemic in 2019, both which involved novel viruses causing pneumonia. However, the new outbreak may potentially be linked to uh, mycoplasma pneumonia, colloquially known as walking pneumonia, which is reportedly gaining prevalence in China as the country navigates its first winter without strict COVID lockdown measures in place. So if this concerns you, it concerns me too. I just wonder if it's going to get to our shores and might cause another situation like we had. And uh, just days before Thanksgiving's iconic Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City, Macy's was hit with a civil rights complaint from America First Legal Macy's has sadly joined the long list of storied American companies that now prioritize racism over rights. America First legal deputy director of oversight and investigations John Zardonzi said in a press release announced on Monday, Macy's own public-facing materials All but acknowledge that they are engaging in personal practices, personnel practices that violate federal law. Because of this, Macy's is now going to have to explain uh, to the Equal Opportunity Commission, Employment Opportunity Commission, why they have chosen to become civil rights violators. It's our hope that Macy's takes this opportunity to correct its unlawful and egregious conduct as soon as possible. The group filed a complaint with the EEOC Monday and included a letter asking for the investigators an investigation in this alleged retailer is intentionally and systematically violating Title VII of the 64 Civil Rights Act by unlawfully conduct- conditioning hiring, promotion, training and other functions on race, color, national or origin and or sex. Despite clear federal law, Macy's has set explicit racial and other quotas for hiring similar functions. Uh, that appear to be uh, facially violate uh, the federal law. So uh, Stephen Miller, former senior advisor to former uh, President Donald Trump, America First Legal, is committed to fighting for all Americans, regardless of race, color, re- religion, or creed. So uh, again, I don't know if you'll be watching the, mates of the uh, parade today, but uh, this is a new wrinkle. I'm, I'm sure the ra- uh, parade will go on because the legal process takes quite a while. Nevertheless, uh, Macy's, now uh, civil rights violations. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part uh, by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning programs and strategies in uh, the government. And the website is thefga.org. Thefga.org. Well, over 200 people associated with Italia's uh, Darghetta organized crime network were convicted of various mafia-related crimes yesterday. Well, I should say probably on Monday, and sentenced to a combined 2,100 years in prison. Defendants included town mayors, lawyers, and Giancarlo Patelli, a former lawmaker in Italian's parliament. The crime syndicate is based out of Italy's southern mountainous Calabria Calabria region, Uh, the tip of the country's so-called boot, with roughly 20,000 associates in at least 50 countries, including the United States, Canada, and Australia. While less known than its Sicilian counterparts famously depicted in the Godfather films, the network is now one of the most powerful in Europe, The word uh, etymology is uh, disputed, but could mean virtuous ones. Controls up to 80% of Europe's cocaine trade, with annual revenue estimated at $60 billion. Prosecutors claim that effort won't dismantle the network, but is aimed at deterring outsiders' uh, compliance with the group. So, uh, interesting news. 2,100 years years in prison, and uh, over 2,000 convicted. Well, a United Nations report released yesterday warns Earth is on the track to surpass a critical global warming threshold within the next decade. Global average temperatures are predicted to warm by nearly 3 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial levels of roughly 13.5 degrees Celsius by 2030, exceeding the 1.5 degrees Celsius increase targeted in the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement. What a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> These people are just crazy. Uh, the annual report finds global greenhouse emissions need to be fall by 42% to limit temperature rise of 1.5 uh, degrees Celsius by 2030. Otherwise, Earth's average temperature is expected to rise between 2.5 degrees Celsius and 2.9 degrees Celsius. China and the U.S. are the t- top two emitters of greenhouse gases. Uh, the findings come amid record-setting global temperatures with preliminary data suggesting Earth's global a- average surface temperature last week briefly passed 2 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial levels. Uh, the report also comes ahead of an annual UN climate change summit next week known as COP28, COP28, when diplomats from over 200 countries will gather in Dubai and try to figure out some way to shake down the United States for money uh, for this bogus Uh, This is also bogus. We've uh, just a story with Larry Bell the other day. Professor Larry Bell suggests that uh, these temperatures are uh, mainly in urban areas where they have uh, warming in the city that surpasses that of uh, outside rural areas. And uh, basically, their research suggests the whole thing is bogus. So the Biden administration has set to uh, back a plan that would crush the coal industry at the upcoming United Nations climate summit. Uh, the U.S. will reportedly uh, support a French plan to get the country, countries of the world, to ban private financing of coal-fired, uh, fired power plants during the upcoming UN conference. Uh, the plan is likely to drive a rift between countries like the U.S. and France and those like China and India, which are reliant on coal to feed the economies' cheap and reliable energy and electricity. The proposed plan would allow the Organization of Economic Operation and Development to set coal standards for private financing companies that would allow regulators, rating agencies, and non-governmental organizations to track coal financing, according to Reuters. The U.S., the European Union, and Canada have been working together to assemble a strategy of phasing out coal, which they view as the leading threat to achieving international climate targets. Absurd. You know, there's, the particulates can be cleaned out. Coal, coal is as clean as anything else after it's uh, all the processes that we have in place in order to make sure the particulates are cleaned out of the air makes absolutely no sense at all. uh, Approximately 73% of electricity consumed in India is generated using coal, and China uh, permitted an average of two new coal plants each week to open, according to analysis conducted by the Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air. France has no coal, so their position is pretty, (laughs) banning it is pretty easy. The U.S., on the other hand, has the largest coal reserves by far in the world, And so, uh, needless to say, we've got a lot to lose if we go along with this nonsense. And under uh, Biden, there's no question that we probably will. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Back to the Bob Harton show. And now, here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, I want to remind you that uh, Lullaby's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center is serving dinners now, Wednesdays through Fridays, 4 to 8 p.m. Of course, no dinner on Thanksgiving. I'm sure you've already got your plans made, but think about going to Bee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They have great of course, breakfast and lunches, but also now dinner. And the value is terrific. The food is great. Chef Rich uh, is, just does a great job. So, again, the Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Well, Binance Finder and uh, Ch- Ch- Chaiping Zhao stepped down as a company CEO and pled guilty to violating... Uh, Anti money laundering requirements as part of a broad settlement with the U.S. Justice Department. The world's largest cryptocurrency exchange is also required to pay $4.3 billion in fines. The announcement caps a lengthy investigation into the global exchange, which has flourished amid the nascent industry's lack of regulatory framework. The company, founded in uh, 2017, became the world's premier exchange in its first year, ev- eventually controlling half of the global market. Regulators allege the company offered approved, unapproved products to U.S. investors and failed to monitor the use of the platform by actors attempting to make their illegal earnings appear legal, a process known, of course, as money laundering. The settlement does not include a separate suit brought by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission in June. Zal will retain majority ownership of the company in the settlement. So uh, not sure exactly what exactly the, the business they're in, but apparently it involves cryptocurrency. Well, poor weather around the world is likely to cause global wine production to drop to a six decade low this year. That's the bad news. The International Organization of Vine and Wine, OIV, says wine production around the world is likely to be about 7% lower in 2023 than last year. Such a yield would be the worst since 1961. The situation was a heck of a lot rosier, though, with the United States, where production was up 12% on 20, over uh, 2022. So obviously, <laughs> Biden inflation is working, no question. Unbelievable. Well, that's a wrap here today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We had a little technical difficulties, but I think we worked through it. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving with you and your family, and I hope everything goes well for you on this day. And uh, remember the pilgrims. I mean, a wonderful thing they did, the separatists, uh, to bring us uh, and set the tradition for Thanksgiving. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.